Arlington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. A movement, I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, welcome back to Into the Fray, and welcome to part four of our three-part series. I know this has been an extra week in coming, but it turned out, like the COVID and vaccine topic, there was a lot more out there than I knew. Now, I pride myself on paying attention and staying informed, and I had no idea how far this charade went. When you start doing your own digging to see where the bodies are buried, you don't find a body. You find a mass grave. When people tell you that there couldn't have been election fraud because Barr said their investigation didn't uncover anything notable enough to matter, when they tell you that so many court cases failed and so many recounts came up with nothing, just keep walking through the smoke and you'll be stunned when you come out the other side into the clear. In fact, there was a major election case that went before the Supreme Court twice. Once before the election and once after. Before the election, the Supreme Court ruled that the plaintiffs had no standing because no harm had been done, up to that point. Then after the election, when provable harm had been done and the case came back, they ruled it was too late to do anything about it. Have a nice day. Go away. See how easy it is to dismiss election fraud? I'm going to take a moment here so I don't interrupt the onslaught of election fraud before us later. You can find me on Twitter, at RealIntoTheFray. If you have any feedback, any stories or topics you want to share with the show, that's the best place for it. If you want to support the show, you can go to www.intothefraypodcast.com and you'll find a section on the right-hand column conveniently titled, Support the Show. So, let's get into it. The left is screaming until they are hoarse. There was no election fraud. There was no election fraud. There was no election fraud. Except there was. And it doesn't take as much to perpetrate as you might expect. Tucker Carlson reported that the margin in Georgia was only about 13,000 votes. Spread that out over multiple counties and numerous polling locations? That doesn't require all that many changes. It wasn't even that difficult to keep the lid on for the recount in Georgia. You're going to see what was observed and what has been revealed through audit certainly has the capacity to add up. Now, Was there a high-level, organized conspiracy to throw the election? Maybe an attempt, but honestly, I'd be surprised if that came out as true. No, I think it's more of a standalone complex. A lot of like-minded people in different regions throughout the country coming together, responding to similar circumstances in similar ways, adding up to massive effect. The left are active. The right is generally passive. The active ones get into the game and make a difference for their side. For the last 60 years or so, that's been the left. Now, is there a high-level conspiracy to hide the election fraud? On that, there seems little doubt. Exhibit A from Tim Pool. 
Tucker Carlson is currently trending on Twitter for a variety of reasons. There's actually one main reason, however, and the rest are derivative. And it's that Tucker Carlson did a segment talking about the ongoing audit in Georgia and their findings. And what they found was shocking in Georgia. I can't say any more about it. YouTube would ban me. Take this video down if I tell you exactly what was being talked about in Georgia. Welcome to communist America, I guess. But the video clip is still going viral where Tucker Carlson talks about what they found in Georgia pertaining to the election. Tech has worked overtime and bent over backwards to suppress any discussion that there were problems with the last election. I'd like to be able to tell you what YouTube considers election misinformation. They have a special link for it under their community guidelines, but the link takes you to a general inquiry page with nothing about the election on it. I'm not sure how people are supposed to follow their guidelines without first publishing them. But that's hardly the point, is it? Well, this is exactly why I'm not on YouTube. So, what did Tucker say? It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which along with Bob Cheely sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheely and Voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left of center Atlanta Journal-Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch. What I'm gonna show you here is two ballots side by side. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. And the ballot image is stored up here on the top left. So this one over here is scanner 5162, that's scanner number three, fax number 235, image number 19. And that matches 234, image 59. So you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit. How that's possible, I don't know. How's that possible? I don't know. Every American should want to know because the answer gets to the heart of the integrity of our elections. Here's another example. Here's one of the next ones. All right, so same facts, number 234, image number two, and 235, image number 61. Republican, 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 all the way down to the point where this little spot up in Fannie Willis matches this one over here. No question that that ballot was counted twice. Did you catch the part where the presenters stated that the duplicate ballot scans had passed through both the original vote and the recount? How that happened? I don't know. 
he's making his point as politely as possible. There's a very simple explanation. Intent. There's an interesting article from the American Spectator by George Perry. He says, By midnight, Trump led the key battleground states by comfortable margins, and the betting odds were 3-1 to one that he would be re-elected. Then, in an unprecedented and improbable set of coincidences, Democrat stronghold counties in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia paused the counting of votes. In Fulton County, Georgia, the counting was halted due to a purported water main break at Atlanta State Farm Arena. Only, the water main break later proved to be a leaky toilet. Nevertheless, the voter canvassers were led to believe that the water main break required a halt to the counting and were told to return to the arena in the morning. Once the coast was clear, however, a handful of individuals were caught on surveillance video pulling suitcases of ballots from under tables and repeatedly running them through the machines that tallied the votes. That night, a very scared young man who had been observing the count in Detroit contacted me to say that he and other Republican canvassers had been prevented from observing the count by persons dressed in Antifa-style clothing. These individuals had pushed the young man around and threatened to beat him. I put him in contact with GOP election lawyers in Pennsylvania, who, I am told, took a statement from him. When the recount resumed the next day, poster boards were taped over the windows of the Wayne County Absentee Ballot Counting Center, purportedly because some of the workers nearest the windows felt concerned with people outside potentially filming them or ballots. At about the same time came word that a computer glitch had inexplicably switched thousands of vote in Antrim County, Michigan, from Trump to Biden. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, Republican canvassers were excluded from the ballot processing room at the Pennsylvania Convention Center. After a day's delay, during which they had to file suit in federal court seeking access to the count, the Republican canvassers were allowed inside the center. But even then, they were penned behind barriers that were a minimum 60 feet away from the nearest counting tables. From that distance, their mere presence constituted meaningless performance art. In the words of Jack Posobiec, Are you paying attention yet? This is a tactic you'll see again near the end of the episode. It's not about what is or is not legal. It's about what you can get away with long enough to do what you want to do. It's a power play. The vertical spike in election results, exclusively for Biden, that came in the wee early hours of the morning should have been enough to blow the whole charade. From National File, an analysis of the state and county hourly voting tallies of both Wisconsin and Michigan reveals significant jumps in Democrat candidate Joe Biden's vote totals. These vote total jumps came in single-instance ballot dumps, as reported by ABC News and Nate Silver's 538. In Wisconsin, at between 2 a.m. and 3.30 a.m. Eastern Time, the total number of votes increased by 125,000. Of these 125,000 votes, 100% were for Biden, without a single vote for President Trump recorded. In Michigan, just after 6 a.m., the exact same thing occurred. Biden's vote tally jumped close to 200,000 votes, and not a single vote was tabulated for Trump. If that was all I knew about the 2020 presidential election, it would be enough. But guess what? There's a lot more. A lot more. Get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. Let's take a look at what's happening in Arizona. The World Tribune reported on a significant finding by the audit team in Maricopa County, Arizona. 
The audit team announced that 74,243 more mail-in ballots were included in the Maricopa County official tally than were mailed out. Fraud. That's not a mistake or an error. That requires intent. For more ballots to return than were sent out requires that they be fabricated. That's fraud. Joe Biden reportedly won Arizona by a margin of just 10,457 votes. And right there, Arizona gets stripped from the Biden column. A margin of about 10,500 votes, with almost 75,000 more mail-in ballots received than sent. That margin was blown sevenfold. Other findings reported at the hearing. 3,981 voted despite having registered after the October 15 deadline. 11,326 voted who were not on voter rolls on November 7th, but were on December 4th. We're going to circle back to that one. 18,000 voted and then were removed from the rolls after the election. So, 18,000 people who should have been purged from the voter rolls. Reasons are going to include things like they moved out of the district. They were convicted of a felony. Things that make them ineligible to vote where they did. 18,000 people voted where they shouldn't have. That's fraud. Then the rolls were purged after the damage was done. That's conspiracy. Now, most of these 18,000 are probably just people who moved and the rolls weren't updated before the election. But then that poses some serious questions itself. Did they vote illegally? Did some people with access know they were supposed to be removed and took advantage of it? Either way, it was an illegal vote. Again, fraud. So, with a margin of less than 10,500 votes, there were 107,500 false votes cast in Arizona that we know about so far. This is according to the audit. These aren't just allegations being bandied about. These are audit results. I guess the Dems were really worried about Arizona. That's literally an order of magnitude. 74,000 plus extra mail-in ballots aside, the voter roll manipulation shows active intent. Where the margin was just 10,500, over 11,000 people who actually did vote, mind you, were not on the rolls when they were checked four days after the election. Somewhere between then and a month after the election, they were retroactively added. Trending Politics reported on this. Doug Logan is the CEO of the independent firm hired to audit the election in Maricopa County, Arizona. We have also seen some interesting things related to the voter rolls, Logan said. So, for example, we have 11,326 people that did not show up on a November 7th version of the voter rolls and after votes were cast, but then appeared on the December 4th voter rolls. Just to be clear, They show as voted this past election, he added, but they were not on the November 7th version of the file. But they did show up on the December 4th version. For the record, again, retroactively adding voters to the rolls after they voted is fraud. Did I mention 107,550 votes with a margin of just 10,500? Just want to be sure. So, How about Georgia? From the Georgia Star, April 2021. 
Five months after the November 3, 2020 presidential election, officials at the state and county level in Georgia have failed to produce chain-of-custody records for more than 355,000 absentee vote-by-mail ballots deposited in drop boxes located around the state for that election. No chain of custody for over 30 times the margin between Trump and Biden in the Georgia election. That's not a minor oopsie. This isn't an oversight. After five months, if the state has failed to produce specific chain of custody records for those batches, I find myself narrowed to two conclusions. Either the state is hiding what's on those chain of custody records, or there are none. The concerted effort against transparency in these contested states is inexcusable. State and county officials are refusing to cooperate, even with subpoenas and court orders. Based on what we're finding, when we're able to cut through the red tape and fog, I can understand why. Voter GA is an election watchdog organization in Georgia. They recently released an incredible amount of information on the election integrity problems in Georgia in the 2020 election. Here's a bit of their press release. New allegations and evidence are based on a Voter GA data team's analysis of Fulton's November 2020 mail-in ballot images. The team's analysis revealed that 923 of 1,539 mail-in ballot batch files contained votes incorrectly reported in Fulton's official November 3, 2020 results. I'm going to break in here and point out that's not 923 problematic ballots. That's 923 problematic batches of ballots containing a hundred or hundreds of ballots each. That's tens of thousands of ballots we're talking about here. These inaccuracies are due to discrepancies in votes for Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and total votes cast compared to their reported audit totals for respective batches. Thus, the error reporting rate in Fulton's hand count audit is 60%. This was after the recount audit that the left uses to claim the election was double-checked and declared on the level. These weren't the problems being reported in the original election. These were problems that passed through the recount audit that was supposed to find the problems in the original election. Instead, it appears the recount audit attempted to cover up errors in the fraud from November 3rd, to the tune of a 60% error rate. Trending Politics summarized the Voter GA press release. On Tuesday, Voter GA came forward with even more disturbing results from its Fulton County audit, while pointing out the prospect of even worse discrepancies in other counties. A 60% error rate in the 1,500-plus batch totals for the reported audit results. Over 4,000 ballots that were duplicated in reporting of the audit results. Three days of missing Dropbox chain of custody forms for over 5,000 ballots missing tally sheets for over 50,000 ballots that were not uploaded until months after the audit results were initially published. Seven falsified tally sheets containing 850 votes for Joe Biden, but zero for Donald Trump and Joe Jorgensen. Hmm. How about those tally sheets from Fulton County? Let's take a look. Batch 19. 100 for Biden. Nothing else. Nothing at all. Batch 20. 100 for Biden. Nothing else. Nothing at all. Batch 21. 150 for Biden. Nothing else. Batch 22. 200 for Biden. Nothing else. Batch 35. 100 for Biden. Nothing else. Batch 36. 100 for Biden. Nothing else. Batch 37. 100 for Biden. 
nothing else. Nothing at all. One example of one county. Seven recount batches that are statistically impossible. This was supposed to be the recount audit. I call fraud. I wish I could remember who said it, but someone posted just four of these on Twitter and captioned it something like, these are Saddam Hussein and Fidel Castro-type election numbers. Poll workers and legal observers noticed some pretty glaring problems, too. Here are excerpts from one affidavit. I'll be pulling from several in this section. The complete affidavits can be found at courtlistener.com under Wood v. Raffensberger. Let's start in Sandy Springs, Fulton County, Georgia. I am a poll manager at Precinct SS02A and B, Sandy Springs. The Fulton County Board of Elections sent an email soliciting poll managers and assistant poll managers for the purpose of participating in the hand count audit of votes cast in the November 3, 2020 presidential election. I accepted the assignment. She says later that as they started their first assignment, the box was marked as box number 5, absentee batch numbers 28 through 36. Most of the ballots had already been handled. They'd been written on by people, and the edges were worn. They showed obvious use. However, one batch stood out. It was pristine. There was a difference in the texture of the paper. It was as if they were intended for absentee use, but had not been used for that purpose. There was a difference in the feel. In my 20 years of experience of handling ballots, I observed that the markings for the candidates on these ballots were unusually uniform, perhaps even with a ballot marking device. By my estimate in observing these ballots, approximately 98% constituted votes for Joseph Biden. I only observed two of these ballots as votes for President Donald J. Trump. Let's go back to Tucker Carlson for a moment. We've obtained photographs showing what went on during the recount process for mail-in ballots in Fulton County. These pictures were taken by a whistleblower who participated in the recount. She said she noticed something odd as she did. None of the ballots that she saw had any creases on them. You can see the stacks of unfolded ballots on your screen now. That's strange because, of course, mail-in ballots need to be bent in order to be mailed in. These ballots clearly had never been inside an envelope. And then the whistleblower noticed something else. All of the ballots, the whistleblower tells us, have been filled out by a printer, not by hand. Fraud. Fraud, 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 fraud. We have multiple accounts of entire batches of mail-in ballots that couldn't have been mailed in and were marked in ways that someone voting from home could not have marked them. Fraud. Back to the affidavit. Further on, she observes, On Sunday morning, we arrived at approximately 6.45 a.m. Initially, the fact that there were so few auditors in the room indicated that others were just late. However, by 7.15 a.m., we realized that because so few additional auditors had arrived, there would not be a lot of auditors present for the Sunday count. We were told to go back to our original table, a table that had been set up as overflow for them the day before. Even though the room was sparsely occupied, we were surrounded with two auditors immediately in front of us and two auditors immediately behind us. We began to notice a greater disparity in the distribution of workloads. She continues later. I opened the ballot box to find only 60 ballots. The other auditing tables received boxes with over 3,000 each. After we completed our first ballot box, we raised our check card for more ballots. After waiting for an extended period, we were told our assistance was no longer needed and thanked for our work. We were told to go home. We offered to help on some of the larger piles that were still evident, 
and the officials present were adamant that they did not need any help. She further elaborated on the tables that did remain. These tables were not counting as a team, with a pass-off from one to the other. Each auditor was counting individually. The purpose of the pass-off was to make sure each auditor agreed that the call for each ballot was accurate. Fraud? Maybe, maybe not. Breach of protocol that was established to prevent fraud? Absolutely. This is a Schrodinger's cat situation. Until a complete independent audit is performed, this is both fraud and not fraud. We should all be smarter than to think that opportunity given wasn't opportunity taken. Toward the end, she describes her experience working at polling locations during the election itself. This recount process was consistent with the lack of preparation, contingency plans, and proper procedures that I experienced in this unusual election. For example, in the setup to election day, we typically receive the machines, the ballot marking devices, on the Friday before the election, with a chain of custody letter to be signed on Sunday, indicating that we had received the machines, and the counts on the machines when received, and that the machines had been sealed. When we did receive the machines, they were not sealed, or locked. The serial numbers were not what were reflected on the related documentation, and the green bar-coded tags that are supposed to cover the door, covering the memory card, were broken. The supervisor told us to use the machines in that condition. As a poll manager of over 20 years, I knew this was not the standard operating procedure for the BMDs. Missing or non-existent chain of custody. Egregious breach of election integrity protocol. Falsified tally sheets. Tampering with tamper-proofing. And more. They call this the freest, most fair election in American history. I call it a farce. Another affidavit was submitted by an audit monitor at another location, in Stonecrest, Georgia. I've removed all identifying names, only including their stated titles. I see no reason to cause problems for anyone unnecessarily. The audit monitor stated, Due to the COVID restrictions, we were instructed to stay a minimum of six feet away from any recounter sitting at one of the review tables. The ballots would be brought to the review table in a cardboard box by another worker. I was never able to get close enough to read any writing on any of the cardboard boxes. After the cardboard box was opened, stacks of ballots were removed and placed on the review table. There were notes on each stack, but again, I was never able to get close enough to read what was written. At no time did I witness any recounter or any individual participating in the recount verifying signatures. When a review table completed review of a cardboard box full of ballots, one of the recounters would write some information on a piece of paper and place it in the top of the cardboard box. Then, one of the recounters would hold a piece of paper with a check mark on it in the air, and someone would come pick up the box full of ballots. There was no person verifying the number of ballots that the recounter would write on the paper. At one point, I was able to get close enough to a review table to see the ballots and the markings on them. It was strange. There were many ballots where just Joseph Biden was filled in and no other candidate whatsoever. At another table, I watched the recounters pull out a stack of ballots that appeared to be strange too. The bubble filled out for Joseph Biden looked to be a perfect black mark. Where have we heard that before? Remember, this is a different location. I spoke to other observers present that day, and they had witnessed the same thing. Other observers also informed me that fellow observers were removed for getting too close to the review tables. That when they would get close enough to see what was actually filled out on the ballot, 
one of the recounters would begin making a big scene and call over a supervisor. The supervisor would then remove the monitor permanently. I want you to remember this for when we get to Detroit, where there was actual training on intentionally keeping observers too far away to observe anything meaningful, and to make a scene if observers got close enough to see what they were doing. Back to the affidavit. While in DeKalb County, I saw a lot of hostility towards Republicans, and none towards Democrats. On another occasion, the same man was assigned to monitor in Henry County. He stated in the affidavit, When I entered the building, I was halted by a woman at the door who immediately informed me that I was not needed and that all the positions had been filled. At this time, the woman neither asked who I was nor why I was present. I asked the woman to speak to the person in charge. Within a few seconds, I was greeted by the Henry County Elections Director. This person informed me my assistance was not needed and I was free to go. Again, this was told to me prior to her asking why I was there and who I was. I then pulled the Henry County appointment letter up on my phone and presented it to her. The elections director immediately told me that I was not able to have my phone inside the building, even though the recount was allegedly being live-streamed. After a brief conversation, I sent the elections director a copy of the letter and was permitted to enter the building but only in the public observation area. After the county Republican chairwoman intervened, he was finally permitted into the observation area to do his job. He later continues, I personally witnessed ballots cast for Donald Trump being placed in the pile for Joseph Biden. I witnessed this happen at Table A. I interviewed a few observers that same day who informed me that on multiple occasions, recounters at Tables A, B, G, and O were seen placing ballots cast for Donald Trump in the pile for Joseph Biden. When this was brought to the election director's attention, it was met with extreme hostility. Another observer submitted a signed affidavit that included this. On Sunday, November 15, 2020, I arrived to DeKalb County Poll Precinct. I was allowed to be an observer and walked over to a table of two women counting votes. I watched them pull out a pile of what I observed to be absentee ballots and noticed two very distinct characteristics these ballots had. One, I noticed that they all had a perfect black bubble and were all Biden select. Hmm. Seeing it again. Interesting. I was able to observe the perfect bubble for a few minutes before they made me move away from the table. At no time did I speak to the poll workers or obstruct them in any way. I heard them go through the stack and call out Biden's name over 500 times in a row. On the following day, on November 16, 2020, I presented myself to Cobb County Poll Precinct. At first, I was standing next to the panel reviewers in Room B, where I observed absentee ballots being reviewed with the same perfect bubble I had seen the night before at DeKalb County. All of these ballots had the same two characteristics. They were all for Biden and they all had the same perfect black bubble. I was able to visualize the perfect bubble with the name Biden on it for approximately 10 minutes before a female, middle-aged, blonde-hair-with-glasses supervisor in a ski jacket asked me to move 10 feet away and refused to give me her name. I also observed a dispute at one of the tables between an observer and a male supervisor who stated that a box had been certified incorrectly because the recount number was different than the original number. The observer was also upset because nothing was done about it. Now, I'm going to break in here a moment and play another cut from Tucker Carlson. What this affidavit is asserting is not unique. What Tucker reports 
puts this process of fraud and cover-up all together. Fraudulent scans, fraudulent tally sheets, and then, as we see with the affidavit, a fraudulent recount. We covered some of this a bit earlier in the show. Surveillance footage obtained by Voter GA appears to show large numbers of ballots being scanned multiple times. Pay attention in the tape we're showing you to the woman wearing yellow at the desk. According to Voter GA, she slides ballots into a scanning machine, removes the ballots, and then reinserts the same ballots. This happens multiple times. The question is, how many times were those ballots counted? Was each vote counted more than once? Fulton County won't answer that question. Now, one way to know the answer would be to check what are called audit tally sheets. Tellingly, for months after the presidential election, Fulton County failed to provide more than 100,000 of those tally sheets, including 50,000 of them for mail-in ballots. When voter GA finally forced Fulton County to turn over the tally sheets, the conclusion was stunning. Here's what the audit found, quote, seven falsified audit tally sheets containing fabricated vote totals, for example, a batch containing 59 actual ballot images for Joe Biden and 42 for Donald Trump was reported as 100 for Biden and zero for Trump. The seven batches of ballot images with 554 votes for Joe Biden, 140 votes for Donald Trump and 11 votes for Joe Jorgensen had tally sheets in the audit falsified to show 850 votes for Biden, zero votes for Trump and zero votes for Jorgensen. Wait, did you just follow that? How is that not flat-out criminal fraud? We'd love to know, because it certainly sounds like flat-out criminal fraud. That's because it is. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's not a horse or a mule. Back to the affidavit. I also saw absentee ballots for Trump inserted into Biden's stack and were counted as Biden votes. This occurred a few times. We've heard that somewhere before. I also observed through my three days in Atlanta, not once did anyone verify signatures on these ballots. In fact, there was no authentication process in place, and no envelopes were observed or allowed to be observed. I saw hostility toward Republican observers, but never toward Democrat observers. Both were identified by badges. After my frustrating experience, I decided to try to speak to one of the poll workers after hours. I identified myself as an observer that wanted to know more about the process and any pressure he may have been under. He advised that they, as poll workers, have been prohibited to speak to observers at any time, and that the pressure they have been under by their supervisors has been great, not only in the speed of counting, but in reference to the irregularities that he was not at liberty to discuss with me. I asked if he could find some time to speak with me after he was done counting and relieved of his duties and he said he was advised never to speak of anyone about the process. The most fair and transparent election in history might... Yeah. How about Pennsylvania? Georgia has voter GA. Pennsylvania has audit the vote PA. They assert the following. 15,000 mail-in ballots sent out of state. 766,094 more mail-in ballots returned than sent out. 21,000 confirmed dead voters. People who were confirmed to have voted despite being dead. Canvassing effort in Montgomery County found 78,000 phantom votes. That's one county. One county, 78,000 phantom votes. For the record, 
That's over 880,000 fraudulent votes asserted here. Considering what's been found in Arizona and Georgia, this evidence requires a complete, formal audit, especially in light of this. From CBS Local Philadelphia, Pennsylvania decertifies county's voting system after audit. I have no other choice but to decertify the use of Fulton County's least Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5a voting system last used in the November 2020 election, DeGraff and Reed wrote. That sounds like too little too late. I should clarify that this Fulton County is in Pennsylvania, not to be confused with the Fulton County in Georgia from earlier. Pennsylvania's election law gives counties the duty to maintain proper chain of custody of ballots and voting systems, requirements that ensure that any election is conducted transparently and that the voting systems are not compromised, DeGraff and Reed wrote. Now, Fulton County, Pennsylvania is a very small, lightly populated place. But Dominion products were reportedly used by more than half of the states in the U.S. in this last election and have been the subject of myriad demands for scrutiny. I covered some of this way back in Episode 3. As the dominoes fall, I expect to see Pennsylvania lined up right next to Arizona and Georgia. Now let's take a look into Michigan. Oh goodness, Detroit is a mess in so many ways. Hashtag Detroit Leaks exposed plans to subvert election integrity before the election even happened. They released recordings of a poll worker's training that revealed instructions to poll workers to violate the law. The instruction was to keep poll watchers and challengers far enough back that they would be unable to adequately observe the proceedings. Michigan Compiled Laws 168.733 The Board of Election Inspectors shall provide space for the challengers within the polling place that enables the challengers to observe the election procedure and each person applying to vote. Challengers and poll watchers. They have to wear a mask and they have to stay six feet. That's important because they can come behind your table. But if you don't have six feet, they can't come back there. Any questions? But the six feet back was a really good vision. They, they can actually see. Exactly. Yes, they got really good vision. Or they brought their binoculars. <laughs> They were also instructed to process challenged ballots as regular ballots. There's a challenged ballot envelope maintained specifically for these ballots. Basically, they were instructed to ignore legal challenges and run them through the machine anyway, with a small sticky on them. How do you challenge a ballot? You take the ballot, you write in the, under the barcode 2003, and you cover it with what kind of tape? Post-it. Post post the post-it tape. But this time, you're going to put it in a secrecy sleeve and Mr. Starks is going to go vote as normal. So his ballot is going through what? The tabulator. The video states that the only way to reject a challenged ballot after this procedure is to already know that a ballot was challenged, what batch it was in, identify the correct, sealed ballot box, break the seal, and find the ballot with the post-it tape on it amongst thousands of nearly identical ballots. Something hashtag Detroit Leaks asserts would only happen in a recount. Or maybe an audit? The Gateway Pundit reports, Multiple independent witnesses have approached the Gateway Pundit and confirmed that the predictions from hashtag Detroit Leaks were accurate and that the counting of ballots for Wayne County, Detroit at the TCF Center, a.k.a. Cabo Hall, 
was by poll workers who refused challenges from poll challengers, used COVID as an excuse to deny access to review the process, and tabulated challenged illegal ballots. Ran challenged illegal ballots through the tabulator. Then there's the revelations of attorney Matt DiPerno, who has dug extensively into the allegations of election fraud in Michigan. Red State recently published an article highlighting DiPerno's findings. One of the critical deficiencies highlighted by DiPerno is the ability of the election workers to set the time on a tabulator at any time in order to print paper tapes that show the appropriate date-time stamp. The technician supervisor password enables the workers to have this capability. This is a significant issue because an election worker can potentially run extra ballots without detection, outside of the election window or after hours, to create ballots to produce a desired number of votes. If memory serves, I believe they called it a night at the TCF Center and sent everyone away, only to then continue counting through the night, with unidentified vehicles showing up through the night with further deliveries. If memory serves. Back to the article. It seems the DiPerno team has also found duplicate matching ballot indices. DiPerno stated, It gets worse, people. Based on a review of the interim county results, it indicates duplicate matching ballot indices, which is evidence of ballot stuffing and fraud. While they are still studying the evidence, he explained that this means there were ballots fed into the system more than once, repeatedly. This issue shows up in the interim county elections in the tune of 1,060 potential fraudulent phantom votes that showed up in the hand recount according to DiPerno and do not match the records held by Secretary of State Benson. Scanning ballot batches multiple times. No, that doesn't happen. Except, apparently in Michigan and everywhere else we've talked about. Back to DiPerno. From independent analyses conducted since Election Day. 1. There are some major statistical aberrations in the Michigan voting records that are extremely unlikely to occur in a normal, i.e. unmanipulated, setting. 2. The appearance of software manipulation. 3. The anomalies almost exclusively happened with the Biden votes. By comparison, the Trump votes looked statistically normal. 4. 9 out of 83 Michigan counties stood out from all the rest. These counties showed distinctive signs of voting abnormalities. Again, all for Biden. 5. The total number of Michigan suspicious votes is plus or minus 200,000, which exceeds the reported margin of Biden votes over Trump. Six. These statistical analyses do not prove fraud, but rather provide scientific evidence that the reported results are highly unlikely to be an accurate reflection of how Michigan citizens voted. Proof can only be conclusive through a full forensic audit. So, bring on the audit. We have conclusive proof of fraud in Arizona and Georgia, the two places where some semblance of genuine audits have been done. Let's dig into the rest. Or do we lack the political will to preserve the primary institution of freedom? But there's more. Let'sFixStuff.org has compiled affidavits from observers at the TCF Center in Detroit. As if random vans full of ballots showing up in the middle of the night and TCF Center workers taping up poster board blocking the windows to obstruct observers wasn't enough. From one affidavit, I am a registered voter in the state of Michigan. I went to the TCF Center in Detroit to be a poll challenger. At each counting board, the poll workers attempted to block me from observing. I was verbally abused and intimidated by not only the Democrat poll challengers, but the ACLU and other organizations. 
I observed ballots that were not in the electronic log or the paper poll log. These would be considered spoiled ballots. I observed these ballots be counted. I attempted to challenge these ballots to a supervisor and was told, We are not talking to you. You cannot challenge this. I attempted to make other challenges but was denied access to ballot numbers or names. There was a stack of at least 40 ballots that could not be authenticated with the ballot book or electronic record, but was told they would not be challenged because they just had to be counted. This was similar among the eight tables that I observed. I observed that the military ballot duplication process was only performed by two Democrats rather than one Democrat and one Republican. I also observed that none of the poll workers had any identification as to their name or party affiliation as required by regulation. I asked if there were any Republicans present and was told, no. Another poll challenger stated, we asked how we could be assured these problem ballots were properly verified. And the answer was, trust us. I'll take care of this. After a quick discussion with our attorneys, an associate of mine and I returned to two supervisors. I challenged all the problem ballots on the following basis. One, after the problem ballots were removed from each AB on Tuesday and Wednesday, we were denied all access to observe the ballots including how they resolved each ballot issue. Two, ballots were not in the electronic poll book or supplemental printed poll book before the ballots were opened. 3. The ballots were all open and removed to an area with no access to observe. 4. Signature verification could not be assured given access to the absentee voter application was not available at TCP. We demanded, per the challenge process, that each ballot be marked challenged, entered into the poll as challenged, and allow us to write down each ballot number. The supervisors repeatedly denied the challenge on the ground it was not a valid challenge. Well, that's one way to make sure there's no fraud in an election. Just ignore it and move on. If it's not addressed, it never happened, right? Kind of like when Bill Barr came out and said the DOJ investigated the election and it was on the level. Then an inside whistleblower came out and said there'd been no investigation. That should be an easily discredited allegation. Who was assigned to investigate? Where are the case files? What was investigated? And what were the actual findings? Funny we haven't seen any of that. Just a blanket statement that the election was on the level. And it's not like I have significant advantage coming so many months after the fact. There were numerous signed affidavits available during the time the investigation was supposed to be going on. Another observer at the TCF Center stated in a separate affidavit, at approximately 11 p.m. on November 3, 2020, I asked D.N. if any of the computers were connected to the Internet. He said, no. When I asked for confirmation, he said, trust me. I stated that he may have been misled. When I pressed for a demonstration, he repeated, trust me. Trust me. All it takes to confirm the connectivity status of a Windows computer is to roll the cursor over the LAN connection icon in the bottom right corner of the display. When there is no internet connection, a unique icon showing a cross-hatched globe appears. I proceeded to review the terminal screens for the tabulator and adjudicator computers, and I observed the icon that indicates internet connection on each terminal. Other poll challengers can attest to this observation as required. And he goes on to name references. 
The IT technician stationed on the stage actively discouraged any close-up observation of the network. Biden made a speech campaigning for a couple of bills that would impose federal regulations on state elections. The left just can't help but project. It's no longer just about who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible voters to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote. Who gets to count whether or not your vote counted at all? Unfortunately, this is true. It's not about who gets to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote. The left are always so right, in entirely the wrong way. Another affidavit was submitted by an election worker at the TCF Center. We processed 600 ballots according to our section supervisor. This supervisor told me, at the start of this process, to open up the computer and enter in the general remarks section that Counting Board 46 received 600 processed ballots. I followed his instructions. I do not know how many ballots were actually received. We were told it did not matter if there was an irregularity, to just keep processing. Because I was job number one, I controlled the computer. I was instructed on several occasions by the section supervisor to turn off the computer monitor because there were poll challengers watching. I was also told to exit out of the program because the poll challengers were watching. Not one time did we note that there was a write-in ballot. I asked the section supervisor whether we were going to be able to see the write-in ballots. He didn't know. Our supervisor said, just sign it on the sheet. And I said, I'm not going to sign a blank sheet. You can't ask us to sign a blank sheet. Show us what it is that we are certifying, and I'll be happy to sign it. I want to see the list. I want to see the write-in ballots or whatever it is you're asking me to certify. She did not show me anything, and she said, Fine. If you don't want to sign a blank sheet or document, you don't have to sign it. So I did not. I proceeded to ask the supervisor when we would certify the closing tapes, because that was the most important part of the process. We needed to confirm that the ballots counted in the machine matched the total ballots cast in the computer system. We did not balance the ballots and the count. We never signed the balance sheet. He goes on to outline some of the differences between his prior election work experience and the 2020 election. There were some differences from 2018 to 2020. The main difference is that each counting board in the past had their own counting machine in the middle of the board. Not this time. We did not control the process. We did not have chain of custody of the ballots and did not know what happened to them after they were taken to the counting machine. We never saw them again. Another key difference is that there were two sets of teams processing and counting the ballots, a team on November 3rd and a team on November 4th. There was a long break between when the processing ended at 8 p.m. on November 3rd and when it picked up again on November 4th. There was no chain of custody from the person who opened the outer envelope to the person who sealed the ballot boxes. The segmented process and lack of transparency denied me the ability to certify exactly how many ballots were processed and counted at Counting Board 46. I do not believe anyone in any other counting board could verify this either. Counting Board 46 did not reconcile the final numbers. I have worked in public administrations for over 20 years. I believe the absentee ballot counting process at the TCF Center was designed for a specific outcome. If the legislatures of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania ever grow a spine, and these revelations ever see real daylight, if regular people who aren't paying attention ever find out about all this, there will be quite the reckoning. Tech is doing their best to ensure that this never happens.
The Gateway Pundit reports, Twitter suspends all election audit war room accounts. The audit war room accounts were set up to release audit and election discrepancy information from each of the contested states. All nine have been suspended. The ban was issued just weeks before Arizona's final audit report is set to come out, and as multiple states are getting ready to start audits of their own. I believe the phrase, over the target, may be appropriate here. Listen to this next clip, not in the context Biden intends, but in context of the massive evidence of election fraud we've just covered. In America, if you lose, you accept the results. You follow the Constitution. You try again. You don't call facts fake and then try to bring down the American experiment just because you're unhappy. That's not statesmanship. That's not statesmanship. That's selfishness. That's not democracy. It's a denial of the right to vote. It suppresses. It subjugates. The denial of full and free and fair elections is the most un-American thing than any of us can imagine. The most undemocratic, the most unpatriotic, and sadly, not unprecedented. That's quite the if he's throwing around there. He's absolutely right. Everything he said was absolutely correct. Except he's using it in entirely the wrong context. Now consider what the Democrats are doing with their newly acquired power. They've militarized the nation's capital. They've nationalized the Capitol Police, including the use of mass pattern of life surveillance. They're working with tech and social media companies to suppress dissent. And most recently... Biden reinstated the moratorium on rent, despite the legislature admitting it's not constitutional, and the Supreme Court ruling it unconstitutional. Maxine Waters said the quiet part out loud on Twitter on August 2nd. I don't buy that the CDC can't extend the eviction moratorium, something it's already done in the past. Who's going to stop them? Who's going to penalize them? There's no official ruling saying that they cannot extend this moratorium. Come on, CDC. Have a heart. Just do it. Who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them? That's where we are. There's no virtue left in politics. There's only power. Whitmer did it. Then Cuomo did it. Now Biden's doing it. They do something flagrantly illegal. Get called on it. Drag everyone through the legal process, extending the time their illegal orders remain in effect. And then, when they lose the case... They simply tear up the order and write a new one, starting the whole process all over again. Oh, and don't forget, they're using our tax money to do it. We're quite literally footing the bill for their power grab. We're paying for them to subjugate us. Now, mind you, politics has always been a power struggle, but the Constitution limited, separated, and diluted power to the point where no person or body of persons could gain enough power to rule over the rest. What we're witnessing now is an unbridled power struggle. And that was the whole point of the Constitution. The whole point was to prevent exactly this. Except we stopped using the Constitution a while ago. At least the important parts of it. The Constitution was designed to limit, separate, and dilute power so that no one person or group could gain enough to rule over the rest. Well, guess what? When Biden says, I know this is illegal, but I'm going to do it anyway, and what are you going to do about it? 
He's ruling over us. Well, his handlers are ruling over us. I don't think anybody deluded that he's in charge of anything anymore. Philip Wegman of Real Clear Politics reported this. Why is the eviction moratorium constitutional? I asked the president. Biden told me, I can't guarantee you the court won't rule that we don't have the authority, but at least we'll have the ability to. If we have to appeal to keep this going on for a month at least, I hope longer. Whitmer did it. Then Cuomo did it. Now Biden is doing it. We're being ruled over. The President of the United States directly, intentionally, openly, and admittedly violated the law and the Constitution. And the Dems are correct. Who's going to stop them? They threw an election to regain power, and now they're going to expand that power for all it's worth. These are the actions of people driving for total control. This is the antithesis of the limits, checks, and balances of the Constitution. The solutions here, now, have to come from the states. The states have to uphold the Constitution, even if the feds don't. It's the only hope we have of salvaging what is quickly becoming pure authoritarianism. Perhaps we need a reminder what Abraham Lincoln said, something that should be a rallying cry for each successive generation of Americans. I want you to put this in context not only of the men and women who have fought and died to preserve the principles of the Constitution that so long protected our freedom, but also in context of the men who wrote the Constitution and the men and women who have worked so tirelessly throughout the past two and a half centuries to realize its potential. On the eve of real authoritarianism in the United States, it's time we remind ourselves of the task that lays before us. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they have given the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Are you paying attention yet? Till next time, be informed, stay safe, don't do anything stupid. Thank you.